swear, right? Yes. yes. We don't give a shit. We, we encourage swear. it. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. Um, well, what's going on, everybody? How we doing? Jonathan? Well, I just got back from Target. I bought some Febreze, but the trash smell is gone. Yeah, I uh, I want to I want to update everybody that I uh, I left the trash in the office over the weekend, Jesus. Uh, and it smelled rotten as shit here uh, uh, this morning. So we're off to a great start. Uh, Smells good in here now, man. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, you're uh, you're very lucky to live in Virginia, uh, so you don't have to put Where up nothing with this smells. Nothing smells bad in Virginia. <laughs> I, I actually um, live, you know, it's actually funny. Like, I live in this kind of little posh, um, fake area that they made with these really expensive apartments, really expensive condos, and all these expensive stores. But there's a water treatment plant down the street. <laughs> it's like uh, right there. Like, so, and like the people who are paying like $500,000 for like a four story townhouse. Um, that's it. They're, they're, they're closest, they're closer to the water treatment plant than anybody else. They're oh, like, that's they, great. They keep cutting down the forest to build more buildings and it just builds the buildings closer and closer to the water treatment plant. And I just love seeing knowing these rich assholes have to suffer the indignity of living <laughs> next to a sewage plant with their uh, shitty overpriced <laughs> townhouse. They deserve it. I, 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 you know, because I, uh, I have uh, my cousin was in town from from Maryland and I was asking about uh, Leesburg. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of rich people there. And I'm like, well, Leslie isn't rich. What's going on with Leesburg? And I looked it up. And, yeah, I mean, it it is uh, it's a lot of posh government workers and lobbyists. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, when they think about the belt, they think that just everybody lives in Washington, D.C. But really, so many of the people involved in the federal government and also contractors, they're just spread all over sort of yeah. this the southeast. So many of them live next to the shit river. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that Liz, Leslie lives next to. Uh, um, well, this is Struggle Session. Uh, uh, I'm Jack Allison. I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. I'm Leslie the Third. Uh, and today we're joined by a very special guest, uh, uh, a very talented man, a writer, uh, uh, Aubrey Sitterson, everybody. Hey, folks. Hey. hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks yeah, for coming thanks on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, I'm man. I'm thrilled to be here in your your fancy pants studio. I'm very, yeah, I'm, I'm very. I'm listen. It didn't smell when I got here, <laughs> and even if it did a little bit, I'd still be suitably impressed. Well, you know, we also, uh, 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 weirdly enough, are right by a, a waste reclamation plant. <laughs> there's uh, there's one <laughs> under the bridge uh, as you go. Well, into come Maine on, Burbank. So I mean, things aren't so different on the coasts, Leslie. See how similar we are. Common. Yeah, we got a lot in common. If, no matter what coast you live on, uh, your shit needs to be reclaimed. <laughs> and turn, change back into water. Uh, uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're, we're not here, here to, talk, to talk about waste we're reclamation. About, we're here to talk about that re- metaphorically. Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I do want to give a little background. Like, I was familiar with Aubrey before, you know, I was actually a committed, dyed-in-the-wool leftist, probably, because, uh, and possibly before he was, too, because I uh, knew of him from wrestling, because he's a oh, big um, wrestling guy. So, I, And I was a big wrestling guy too back in the days so i was familiar with him so it's very nice that we've all uh come together to prove that pro wrestling is the most leftist form of art there is it's the one true sport is what it is is leslie let me ask you (laughs) leslie since i've taken over your podcast let me ask you a question uh you can be honest a because you know i'm here now and we're all friends and b because you're in a different state uh 
did you hate me? A lot of <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people in wrestling really hated me for my my wrestling takes or my politics or a combination of both. No, I did not hate you, but I knew I was friends with people who were not too into you because you're you're a very gregarious guy. You you out there, you're a go getter. You go and get in. A lot of people hey, thanks, re- don't really like that. So. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They fucking hate it. This is your yearly review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what was so controversial about your wrestling takes? Um. You know, like, are you a wrestling fan? Eh, not really. Okay, but right. let, let's be honest. Not nearly on the level of you guys. Okay. I, we we have, are aware and have watched yeah. Netflix documentaries about wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Lots yeah, of YouTube I'm clips. trying to figure out how deep to get on this. Uh, you know what? There, there are, like in most fandoms, uh, there are kind of just these different tribes within wrestling. And a lot of them, a lot, like one of the most, and this has been changing and shifting, but one of the most vocal tribes for a really long time has just been this um virulently anti WWE, not in terms of the company and their their business practices, which right. is a separate issue. Right. Because they And we have an entire episode of Leslie talking about nothing but the yeah, WWE's yeah. business practices. Stuff. But yeah. not because of that, but just because of this perceived narrative that comes out of the attitude era where Vince McMahon, the guy who runs the company, became the main villain in the company. And so after decades of saying, look, the 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 guy who owns this company and the company itself hates the fans and doesn't want you to enjoy things. Uh, and so after decades of that being the on-screen narrative, it began to bleed over because people have grown up with nothing but that. Mm-hmm. And so they truly believe that WWE hates the fans and Vince McMahon hates wrestling and he wants everything to just be a soap opera and like, and all this stuff. And so for a really long time, there was this perception that, um, you know, everything that WWE did was bad and wasn't real wrestling with a capital W. And so if you liked any of it or defended any of the stuff that was seen as typical WWE wrestling, um, you were, uh, you know, anathema. You were, you were awful. And I liked a lot of that stuff, right? Like, I think like Roman Reigns is a real good example. And maybe one that y'all have heard of, right? Like he's, he's a guy. No. I've heard of Roman Reigns. We can talk later. Just don't mind Jack. But I will say I am kind of in the other camp of like everything WWE. He does is garbage and wow. uh, and worthless, but but mostly for their business practices. Well, but Aubrey exactly. Is, but Aubrey is a bit more up on them. I have a lot of friends who are, but we've talked about this on the show before with a couple of guys. We don't want to bore the audience too much. We're we're just gonna to have to start our own like leftist. For wrestling, wrestling, uh, wrestling uh, show. Dude, I mean, here's the we'll thing. do a I, spinoff. What's really suplex session. <laughs> <laughs> what's really interesting, man, is that. As much as people hated, you know, this perception of WWE in the past two, maybe three years with the rise of NXT and the way they've been bringing in all these like indie talents, a lot of these people who had previously been in that camp that I've been talking about now adore WWE and are completely <laughs> indifferent to their yeah, politics. And they're, they're sellouts. They're, they are so I'd say they're fucking scabs. How about <laughs> yes, that? They're scabs. They're no, literally they're, taking So basically, jobs. you got in trouble with wrestling fans for being a wrestling fan? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so here's, here's the thing, man. That sounds so like the many, internet. So so many wrestling podcasts and podcasts of any type it's they're very negative and they're very down on things and you know a thing i say a lot and not just in terms of wrestling but everything like i think you guys will appreciate this you know criticism isn't just being critical mm-hmm. right like in fact I-, I think you know what's more educating to me is i would rather read somebody 
talking about something that's good and why and exploring what makes it good than rattling off a reason, a list of reasons why it sucks. Oh, well, the internet is not for you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why people didn't like my wrestling show. Because right. my wrestling show, you know, originally, um, it would go on live after Raw every week. And Raw is three fucking hours long. And if you can't find something good and interesting to watch in a three-hour show, maybe you shouldn't be watching a fucking yeah, like, three-hour show. Are why are you watching? watching? Yeah. It's they're, I look, say before going masochist. to see Star Wars later this month. Because <laughs> they're if Chris Hardwick can find an hour of good stuff in every Walking Dead episode. So, I mean, so my, the MO of my show, Straight Shoot, was always, let's find what's good about this and talk about it and talk about why it yeah. works. And people did not respond well to that because hmm. the perception was, okay, well, if you're not lift on, listening off the things that suck, it must mean you loved everything. Well, no. I mean, there's yeah. plenty of stuff that was garbage, but I mean, how many times do you want to listen to me talk about like a bad wrestling match from a right. wrestler I don't like. Well, and that, it's also, it's also, I would say, especially on the internet, it's a more vulnerable thing to talk about the things that you like. Totally. Like, it's very, yeah. very easy to get online and tear things down. And I say that as someone whose hobby is going online <laughs> and tearing things down. It, it, uh, it's so, it's so funny. Like, I watched Rogue One and I was kind of up on it. And then people yelled at me because, well, you, your podcast defends the prequel. So you're full of shit. Like, what? I'm uh, like, I'm actually kind of saying good things, but people. People are mad because we also said good things about other things they didn't like. I I don't get it. But and the guy who made a Star Wars is dead episode liked one of the three bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> I like how and then you're getting yelled at for for saying Star Wars is dead in the first place. No, you can't win. Yeah. You can't win with the hot takes. It, no, it's kind you, of. You can't win with um, wrestling fans, Star Wars fans. Even more or, so. I'd say you just or, can't win. Or, period. Or, or, <laughs> or, or transition. Comic book fans. Yes. Hey, segue. So that's, that's a good a beautiful segue. segue. I like that a lot. Uh, uh, what was it a segue to? It was a segue <laughs> oh, okay. to... Well, I was just going to say, but before we jump into comics... No, you know what? We have to move on because <laughs> yeah, he, he did it. It was a, such a good segue. It was segue. such a good segue. Really good segue. I think he blown really it now, fucking though, so blown the landing here. here. All right. No, no, no. There's no. We're all good. We're all good. Let's... Uh, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> So let's talk. F- f- fuck wrestling let's talk for now. Talk about something else that's good. Hey, another great segue. <laughs> comic book fans. Com- <laughs> I don't know if comic book fans are good. I mean, I'm a comic book fan. I think I'm okay. So Aubrey, uh, uh, let's walk through exactly what happened uh, uh, during your time uh, uh, writing for the GI Joe universe. Uh, First of okay. all, how did you get that gig, man? Yeah, yeah, man. So I've been working in comics since 2004, 2005. Um, I started. At Marvel as an editorial assistant okay. while I was still in college, um, and so, and I transitioned into being an editor there. And I le- I eventually left and went to WWE and worked there for a couple years. Um, what'd you do at WWE? I worked on their website. I was a like officially I was a multimedia producer. Cool. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't. So, uh, I, know, I appreciate you being polite, uh, but no, like, So I it is a job. Um, I did. You know, I'd write match recaps and previews and special features and the top 11 big men brought to you by the Hulk movie, you know, sponsored <laughs> content and stuff. Right. And, um, you know, I would produce video and photo content, which really just meant giving directions and deadlines to the video and photo editors and stuff. Um, I did that for a couple of years, um, but all the all the while I was editing comics and stuff, too. And so I stayed involved. I was, during that time, I was editing um Kick-Ass 2 and uh, Walking Dead, Invincible, um, cool. the Kirkman stuff, because um, I've been his editor at Marvel. And then, um, you know, oh, this is before he, he left and took over Image. Um, he had become an image partner at this point, yeah. okay. um, but it was prior to Skybound. Got Skybound it. Skybound didn't exist yet. And so um, I edited kind of in 
when it was still just him doing his stuff as opposed to like having a company cool. building it. Um, and then, uh, you know, the whole, like the reason I left Marvel is because I wanted to write and you, you know, there are rules of place you can't, you couldn't write while you're working there. And so, Unless you're CB Sabulski, <laughs> then so, you gotta then you gotta be Akira Yoshida. So I had, uh, <laughs> so I had, I had uh, that was always the goal. And so all on that time, I was writing shorts and backups and like hoping at least to something bigger and trying to get creator owned stuff up and running, which is really it, I don't know how much your listeners know about. I'm the a little aware industry. that is fucking difficult. It's tough, yeah, yeah. And, and personally costly too. It's very very <laughs> well, that's hard. The, and that's the trick. Unless you have a bag of money that you're willing to pay somebody to come yeah. and draw your shit for you. Um, cause I'm, I'm not a good artist and I would need somebody to, for it to look professional and good. Yeah. I'd need somebody to do it and work with me. Unless you're going to have somebody willing, you, unless you have the money to pay somebody to do it, you need to find somebody willing to work, um, not necessarily on spec, but at least for back end. Right. Yeah, for um, a 50 50 split or exactly, something like that. Um, but the artist side of things is so much more time intensive. Yes. And, you know, the typical thing that would happen is I would find a guy and we would, you know, we'd click and we'd develop a thing and we'd get going on it and they'd draw a page or two and then they'd get a work for hire offer right. somewhere. Totally and then understandable. I'd, totally understandable. And I don't hold it against them, but that project is dead then. Yeah. Right. And so that happened for years uh, <laughs> through multiple yeah. jobs. And I moved out here to LA and was working in video games. Um, and after I left, so I was working in video games on the, doing like, community and social media and interactive marketing for the WWE video games. So basically you've just been catching shit online for as long for as a while. For, for your for entire a minute, professional man. career. Yeah, I'm used to it now. Um, so I, when that gig moved up to San Francisco, cause they got THQ went under and 2K got the WWE license and they're moving everything up to San Francisco. I didn't want to go cause San Francisco, as you may or may not know, is like, it's even more expensive than LA. <laughs> it's more expensive than New York. It's more expensive than anything. Yeah. yeah. Like, so um, I, I didn't go and I stayed here and I started up my wrestling podcast. And after doing that for a while, you know, I developed, um, like an audience and a following for my wrestling stuff. And one of the things I talked about a lot was, um, fight based storytelling. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I love about wrestling. And I'm sure Leslie does too, is this, this idea that, you know, a fight doesn't just have to be like lowest common denominator, like Batman movie fight where they're just punching each other until one of them punches hard enough. Right? Sure. You yeah. can use a fight to convey narrative and character stuff and kayfabe heel turns. <laughs> you can do really interesting. No, but yeah, within you can do, a fight, you can do it. You yeah. can do really if like a a good wrestling match. I don't think there's anything better than it. Really, you know, I think there's stuff that's as good, but um, that's about as good as it gets for me in terms of media. And it's because of how visceral it is and the narrative of using combat and struggle to inform people about the character and the themes of whatever work that you're enjoying. And that's something I talked about a lot. And so IDW got the license or they, they had the Hasbro license and then Capcom came to them and wanted to do street fighter GI Joe. And Mm. they were like, they're like, what would this be? And who the hell could we get to write this? Um, And a guy I knew from my old Marvel days, John Barber suggested me and asked me to send in a pitch. And I said, I said, oh, yeah. They said, you know, what would you do with this? For Street Fighter G.I. Joe, like, do you have an idea of what it would be? I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be King of the Ring. <laughs> and they weren't wrestling fans. And so they were like, well, what is, what the hell does that mean? And I was like, ah, give me, give me 20 minutes. And I, <laughs> and I, and I sat down and I made the brackets, oh, right? Wow. For like a full tournament and sent it into him. I was like, look, here it is. This is the, this is the series. And we're going to have, it's nothing but matches. You know, the, the first fight starts on the second page and we just go from there and we tell the story through the actual fights and like people are cheating and you know, getting unfair advantages and being dicks like the mm-hmm. bad guys are. Um, and so I did that and, um, Hasbro loved it. Hasbro loved the, the way that I, you, I wrote the GI Joe characters and, um, it was much more influenced by 
the G.I. Joe cartoon, which was kind of how I came to the property. Sure. Um, and they dug that. And when it came time for them, they were building this new like shared Hasbro universe. Uh, they called on me to write the G.I. Joe book. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. So the um, shared Hasbro. And that worked out well, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, 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 wow, man. For, well, a good, for, for a good year and a half, it did. Yeah. So there is some essential background, like you kind of hinted at, like the G.I. Joe universe was already kind of big and has this uh, big narrative behind it, uh, led by Larry Hama, um, who's a classic comic book writer. And also you were part of this bigger universe of like Transformers and sure. Mask and all this it's, other stuff. All the toys. So, so not, to, not to get too nerdy with you, but the Larry Hama continuity is something separate. Larry okay. Hama, and oh. I think this might come up later as we're talking about this stuff. Larry Hama is still currently writing a G.I. Joe book right. that is its own continuity. Based off his original G.I. Joe. What is that one called started. that's called like America? Or- it's G.I. Joe Real American Hero. Real American Hero. And so that started like, I don't know, 83, 84, 85, something like that. And um, this continues off that continuity. It hasn't okay. been published con- um, consistently. There were years and maybe like a decade where it wasn't published. Right. But IDW brought him back and had him pick up where his last ep- issue ended so and so that, that's still going and that is a se- that that's a separate con- right very nerdy stuff right now this is, it's separate not, con- this is, no, 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 this is legitimately the only kind of stuff i give a fuck about <laughs> this is the important i'm in the right place. fake continuity. i'm in the right yeah. place so yeah uh, larry's larry's title is still going on and it's a totally separate continuity than what i was doing and what i was doing was built off of the idw continuity uh-huh. which <laughs> hold on to your butts boys Larry Hama actually wrote some of oh but, wow so, but it was a bunch of pe- people Larry Hama Chuck Dixon Mike Costa uh-huh. Christos Gage Chuck Dixon your favorite we'll I talk, imagine we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him in a few minutes yeah we'll talk about Chuck um, Dixon soon enough but yeah so a lot of folks um, had contributed to that universe and so that was the continuity that we were coming in on mm-hmm. okay um, and so uh, uh, what happened was uh, uh you introduced new characters, and, and and for this new continuity, made changes to some older characters. Is that correct? I, I'm yeah. sort of like piecing all this together. Yeah, for sure. And, and people, the G.I. Joe fans. Some of the of G.I. Course, Joe fans. Of uh, course, a very progressive group. <laughs> uh, uh, we're super stoked about this. Is so, that correct? Uh, no. <laughs> First of all, let me say this, because I think that this is a, you know, it, it might seem like a wacky hill for me to die on, but... You know, there is this perception that if you're a G.I. Joe fan, you are this gung-ho, like, not the character. <laughs> a little G.I. Joe joke for all my fans out there. Uh, you're, you're this crazed, jingoistic lunatic, mm-hmm. right? That you are an NRA, NRA member and you're at the range every weekend. And, you know, like, that's the perception of G.I. Joe fans for a lot of leftists, mm-hmm. right? And I'm here to tell you that's not accurate. Like, mm-hmm. those those people are certainly there right but just like you have kind of some of the worst people in the world who are wrestling fans sure you've also got wrestling fans who are stand-up individuals like myself and leslie lee the <laughs> third yeah. thank you, thank you. <laughs> right like i mean it's, it's it's very similar right like you look at and you'd be hard-pressed to find a fan base that doesn't ha- like run the gamut of awful people to great folks yeah right? and it's so a, it's almost like people that get like and I, and I say this as someone who uh, uh, is obsessed with so many uh, pop fiction things, but it's almost like people who get massively obsessed with pop fiction uh, uh, have some kind of mental disorder. <laughs> it's almost as if, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost as if people, or they're just coping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost as if people who take uh, fictional creation, take offense to fictional right. creations, have something else going on. Yeah, in their maybe there's something else that they're upset about. <laughs> maybe but there's something underlying bubbling issues. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, so the truth of the matter is. Yes, there are those G.I. Joe fans, but there are those Superman fans and there are yeah. those, you know, Walking Dead fans or whatever. They're every, you know, it's a wide spectrum. 
the Rick fact and Morty that, fans. <laughs> for sure, yeah, man. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing about fandom, right? Is that like people are so quick to say this fandom sucks or that fandom sucks, but really all fandoms kind of suck. <laughs> sure. Because you're talking about the most hard, because it's fandoms are defined by the loudest most aggressive voices with the most time on their hands. Right. Right. And those people tend to be awful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right? Um, the fact that... And that's us. G- <laughs> Welcome to Struggle Session. Uh, yeah. So uh, for th- fans who've seen the cartoon but maybe aren't familiar with the comics, what are some of the kind of changes you uh, made to the comic that were, you know, controversial? I know the big sure. one was probably making Scarlet the team leader, which seemed... <gasps> You know, that was that didn't upset people as much as some other stuff, right? Because Scarlet yeah. is one of the original, like, eight characters, and people love her. Um, so that did upset some people. You know, why, uh, I, I have actually seen people say, like, oh, you know, a woman would never be in charge of G.I. Joe because they're an elite fighting force and women have lower muscle mass than <laughs> yeah, men do. Uh, are you talking about our friend Diversity in Comics? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I, I, I was we're watching gonna, the We're going to get into him soon. Maybe. I just want to give his quote. His quote was, hey, we're living in 2015, not 2050, okay? Yeah. There's no oh. way a, a yeah, woman man. would be a command. But at least he acknowledges yeah. it may happen at some point. Yeah. In 35 I, years. In, we'll, in 35 <laughs> years, uh, women will have become strong enough. Yes. Because that's yes. the core of his argument, yep. is he's like that they're that's not, how, I think they're that, not physically as strong as men. I think men. that's how evolution works. Yeah. Just a good 35 years. 35 years. I mean, they're all in fucking like combat mech suits. Yeah. I mean, as if. That makes a there's difference. A, there's, okay, so in my book, there's a fucking Transformer on the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Skywarp <laughs> is on the team. It's a sci-fi book. Okay, so the, the, uh, a larger point I want to make, though, uh, this ties into what we we're talking about. Um, the fact of the matter is, G.I. Joe has a long, progressive history, and people are shocked by this, right? Mm-hmm. But a couple things I think are important. One is, yes, okay, the, the cartoon was originally created to <laughs> sell um, this idea of militarization and military-industrial complex sure. to children. Yeah. That is correct. I cannot argue that. Mm-hmm. However, you know, there, there, you can look throughout pop culture and there are instances of things that are created um, for kind of nefarious or not so great ends, but end up making great art, mm-hmm. right? That happens all the time. The Joe Camel movie is awesome. <laughs> this is Joe. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta even see this thing. Right? Is um, there a movie? No, I'm just fucking around. Should I want, be. Um, I'll send you my special. As part of the, as part of the cigarette cinematic universe, <laughs> Joe Camel, the Marlboro Man. man. That would be actually peng- awesome. The cool penguin. <laughs> teaming, teaming up to stop the nicotine patch salesman. <laughs> Sorry, so go there ahead. Is, yeah, so in that cartoon, however, you know, it was a it was a shocking for the eighties, it was a shockingly diverse cast, mm-hmm. right? And Scarlett, to the point that you made earlier, was always portrayed as an equal. Mm-hmm. She was she was on level footing with Duke and every and Stalker and Robok and everybody else. Um that show was designed to have a bunch of people of different races and ethnicities all and genders all working together. Yeah. Right. And that and, and, that, fought, and that's and they consistent. Fought, and they fought and this is important too, Cobra, which was almost universally white men, hmm. right? Yeah. Baroness is a notable exception, right? But if you, if you ever see any of the, the Vipers and the people working at Cobra headquarters yeah. and stuff, they're all white dudes. And that, there's a great oral history, um, that Heat Vision blog did recently. And they talk about, like the, the writers and the voice actors, they talk about this as like a conscious choice. That's cool. Right? Yeah. Um, so there are progressive roots of G.I. Joe. And furthermore, like Larry Hama, um, is a super progressive guy. Um, maybe like he's not us progressive. Sure. Uh, right. Because yeah. we're crazy people. Yeah. Um, well, he's <laughs> above a certain age. He's yes. above a certain age. He's an old, he's an old liberal, which he's is a, yeah. he's a Vietnam vet. Right. Right. I mean, and so, you know, context is important. Yes, context Another thing is, yeah. is forgotten often, but, uh, for his time period, he's very, very progressive and he's still a left leaning guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he publicly cut ties with Chuck Dixon. 
Um, wow. Yeah, yeah dude. Chuck Has Dixon. DC even publicly cut ties <laughs> with Chuck Dixon? I'm waiting for Nightwing to make a statement. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, and Chuck Dixon was a guy who, along with Larry, wrote G.I. Joe in, like, the classic yeah, yeah. age of G.I. Joe at Marvel Comics. So, I mean, that guy's also a leftist guy. If you read his his G.I. Joe, it's a lot of it's a lot of anti-fascism, anti-corporatism. Yeah. Like, all of those roots are there. Um, so – the idea that G.I. Joe is this – G.I. Joe fandom is this monolithic right-wing thing is not true. And that's like a thing I, I want to take pains to clarify because you know there are folks out there who really enjoyed the changes we made to this book. Look at that segue. Which included <laughs> – included, as you mentioned, you know, for the first time, Scarlet's leading the team. That upset some people. Yeah. Um, what really upset folks was that we took a character um, – who I love him, but you know, C or D list GI Joe character Salvo. Mm -hmm. Do you know Salvo? Don't know Salvo. Do you yeah. know Salvo? Salvo's a black woman, right? Well, <laughs> uh, now Salvo is a Samoan woman, actually. Okay. That we modeled Leslie. You ready for this? After Nia Jax, professional <laughs> uh, wrestler. Professional, obviously. Her name is uh, her, uh, of course. Her name is Nia Jax, and I said <laughs> and I said it to Leslie. Of course, it's a professional wrestler. Uh, but no, Salvo was originally this hugely muscled white dude with a shaved head with hilariously massive, like, Liefeldian guns. Right, yeah. And a t-shirt that says, the right of might. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. So the character, character kind of sucks. Well, the character is kind of awesome. Like, it's kind of it's my favorite thing. Like, the, just the aesthetic of it, the look at it, like, oh my god, this fucking rules. But in 2017 or 16, when I was writing this stuff, uh, that doesn't really fly, yeah. right? <laughs> that brings up certain associations that I don't really want to be involved with. Uh, but I wanted to – I love the idea of this like ass-kicking, no-shit-taking, trash-talking, big badass with humongous guns. And I like the shirt too. Like that's a really like you – know, you know who that character is yeah, when you see yeah, that yeah. shirt, right? Um, and so that character had never shown up in IDW continuity um, and I figured it was a good opportunity to – Use the character, but make them different enough so I don't have the problematic aspects. Yeah. Also, you know, continue this, this tradition of representation and diversity in G.I. Joe. Right. Also, you know, one of the big changes we made to, so, you know, it was like this big shared universe. It's got Transformers and ROM and Micronauts and Mask. And one of the big changes was that G.I. Joe is no longer just defending America, but it's, it's defending an international force. Yeah, I like that. I like that, but, that, that, that you know, G.I. Joe came out of America, but that they have an international mandate now. It, yeah. it makes a lot more sense. The, the, the new movies even did yeah, that. Yeah, the movies exactly. Thing, too. Exactly. So I wanted to bring in some international Joes. And so I said, oh, perfect. She's yeah. from Samoa. She's a, she's a Samoan woman and she's Salvo. They some some groups of fans did not like that. Right. Also, because she is not built like a fitness model. She's uh she's like a she's built like a power lifter. Right. She's big. Uh, right, and right. I think and personally as like again as a wrestling fan, I think that's dope. Like yeah. I, I love it. She's like this big power. She's like a, a like she's like a good Amanda Waller almost. Yeah, yeah man. Well, she's supposed to she's her job on the team is to carry these humongous guns. Yeah. So no, she's not going to be she's not going to look like Scarlet because yeah, she has a different yeah. role on the team. She's going to be huge. Yeah, she carries yeah. these big guns. People did not like that. Um do you guys know who Ed Luce is? Uh, Ed Luce. He, he's a great cartoonist. He does a book called Wall Oh, yes, Oath. yes, yes, yes. I, I do recognize him. And yeah. it is a, it's a gay romance comic yeah. set in San Francisco, but like all the characters are like super into metal and wrestling That's and awesome. the devil. <laughs> and like, it's, it's gorgeous and it's funny and it's awesome. Yeah. Um, we got him to do a cover and he did like a very homoerotic cover yeah. with Gung Ho <laughs> and the Dreadnoughts. Cool. It's really rad. Um, these same people we're talking about did not like that. Yeah. Um, they did not like, um, 
they did not like that we started using lasers instead of bullets. Yeah. And that was a big... Was that, that your choice or was that like... That was 100% a, my choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, you know, A, because I, I... Again, the cartoons. And that's what I liked. Yeah. And B, because, you know, I wanted to do... I wanted them to be heroes. I yeah. didn't, you know, a lot of G.I. Joe stuff in the past has been all about like, you know, the tough necessities of war and the sacrifices we make and, you know, doing something bad for the greater good. And, you know, yeah. how different are G.I. Joe and Cobra? <laughs> I didn't want to do that, right? That's not what I'm interested in. I wanted to do heroes. And I didn't think that in 2017, it felt, you know, with a fucking right. massacre every other month. Right, right, right. Uh, I didn't. Well, f- that's, that's being unfair. It's more like every, every, <laughs> every week. two weeks, yeah. every, every fortnight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, that felt gross to me, man, yeah. with a kid's product. And, I, you know, yeah. there was a reason. Also, that it's a comic that is a fucking Transformer. And it, exactly. And, and like the Transformers use lasers. And, so, yeah. like, I, I thought, and did but, it, but, so there's a story reason, yeah. too, right? right? They they adapt and retrofit Cybertronian technology. Mm-hmm. So now they've all got non-lethal, humane lasers that yeah. they use to take out their, their rivals. And, like, I loved it for that. And I loved it, too. And, you know, I've talked at length about this in other interviews and stuff. You know, I love it because – um the great thing about, you know, whether you're talking about super, you know, the two greatest superheroes of all time, Superman and Goku. <laughs> if you're talking about, if you're talking about, no, we can talk a lot about how Goku is. I know. Like, I saw y'all did a Japanese. show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, dude, okay. Like, I, uh, but I mean, the thing that's great about both those guys is they're strong enough to be nice. Yeah. They're strong enough to take risks. Yeah. And, like, you know, the thing about the Punisher and everybody loves to talk about the, and I love the Punisher as a 16 year old boy. Cause yeah. all 16 year old boys love the Punisher, but especially Garth Ennis's run. Uh, yeah. And I prefer the Marvel Knights run more Woo! than that. That's me personally. Talk about that later, okay. but we should because it's funny. That's it. That's the entire. Day. No, welcome <laughs> back, Frank. Is no a lot it's funnier hysterical. than this than yeah. the slavers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's but, uh, Although Barracuda, I would argue, is that's pretty funny. funny. I like the yeah. Warren Parlov stuff too. Uh, but yeah, so you know, it's this idea. You know, if you're the Punisher, the Punisher is a coward. The Punisher, yeah. the Punisher does not have faith in his abilities and strengths. He has to shoot people in the head yeah. in order to deal with them. Superman doesn't have to do that. Goku doesn't have to do that. G.I. Joe is a group of the most talented experts in their specific field yeah. in the world with high-tech weaponry and a fucking giant robot they're hanging yeah. out with. They can afford to be nice. They, they, don't, have, nice. they don't have they to slaughter little, people. Yeah, they can afford to give people the benefit of the doubt. And like that was that was Part of why well, the lasers in it, and those guys hated. That. And, and, and those and those Larry and the Larry Hama continuity still exists. So if you want to see GI Joe totally. shoot people, it, you it, can still read it. And that's yeah. the thing. And that's and like yeah. And that's why a lot of these criticisms lodged lobbed at our book are disingenuous because you know they talk as if this is the only GI Joe book in existence. Right. And it's not. If you still want your, Larry Hama's book, it's out there every single month. Um, but, but yeah, here's the, the thing: the, the is, issue, getting, they, 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 just, they just got mad at Larry Hama because he made Snake Eye as a woman. Uh, the new Snake Eye. Uh oh, the new Snake Eye. There's a new Snake Eyes, and it's a woman, and they don't like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So like the biggest thing, though, honestly. But you don't the even largest. know what Snake Eyes really looks like. <laughs> Snake Eyes could have been a woman the whole time. <laughs> the biggest thing that people are upset about, like that group of people, right? And it's not everybody, but there is a, a segment. And, you know, some of them are G.I. Joe fans and a lot of them aren't. A lot of them aren't even G.I. Joe fans. They're culture warriors, yes, right? right? Yeah, and that's, yeah. a, that's a thing we see all over the place. Um, what they're really upset about is that there is a socialist, right? I'm sorry. I just fucking smacked your table. For <laughs> uh, there's a socialist writing G.I. Joe. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. I mean, that's the long and the short of it for them. And, yeah. you know, it, you, if you read these these tirades and message board comments and threads and stuff like that, that's what it comes down so, to. It comes down to two things. It says, you know, I don't want this cultural Marxist propaganda and socialists and socialists <laughs> killed more people than the Nazis did. Yeah. And I don't want this in my book. And he had quick kick beat snake eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right? like that's, that's every single one of these comments, right? It's just like lunatic, like far right wing, like 
psychobabble followed up with like one plot point thing that made a that made a person of color look good yeah. at the expense of a white guy. So I was watching some of these uh, some of these videos from this diverse. You have a stronger stomach than this I diversity in comics watched, guy. I've not watched a single one. First of uh, all, that's hey, remarkable. Good yeah, yeah, good for you. We I don't. I I'm one of those psychopaths who like had to clean my brain out and stop watching anything and everything that wasn't like you know. Uh, you know, I, I used to watch so much and read so much toxic media that, like, no matter, like, I was just trying to get all the perspectives as a good liberal, and I ended up just, like, absorbing. <laughs> I hate good liberals. I know, me too. <laughs> They're the fucking worst. No such thing. Ugh. No such thing. I was absorbing so much shit in my attempt to be fair to both sides that I had to have this moment for myself where it's like, what am I, what am I becoming trying to right. defend everyone? Equivocating asshole. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there is something to the idea that an Asian guy should never beat a white guy. <laughs> in a kung fu fight. No, it's insane. Kung fu fight. So what these, what these, so what's insane about this diversity in comic? No, no, no. Go no. ahead. I, I, I was just going to relate it to Dragon Ball. Like, I always please, want to, but go ahead. Please. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, in Dragon Ball, you seem, you want to see characters fight each other. Like, what's the big yeah. fucking deal if one right. time he beats him? Like, it's just yeah, fun dude. to watch people fight each well, other. And like, this, Pic- sorry. And Piccolo will beat Goku, and Goku will beat Piccolo. In this it's case, fun. In this case, it's especially ridiculous because it's, it was issue eight of the comic. It's one of my favorite things I've ever written. It was literally half the, and we hop back yeah, and forth cool. between the list. Oh, you read it? Yeah, I did. Awesome. We did Thank read you. it, yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, we hop back and forth, and like, literally half of this 20 page issue, 10 pages of it are quick kick and snake eyes brawling with each other. Yeah. And it's over pride. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details, but like, it's something that's built up over the course of the the series. And they make a, like quick kick makes a point of it saying, yeah, you can beat me if you're carrying an Uzi and you've got, you know, your pal and your ear helix, like giving him advice and stuff like that. But one-on-one with just fists and feet and, you know, traditional, like elegant weapons, no fucking way. Cause <laughs> quick kick is the Kung Fu guy yeah. and snake eyes is the commando guy and they're different guys. Yeah. And so like, yeah, quick kick beats him, but it's like, it's very much a qualified victory. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But people, di- they, they couldn't yeah. have it. They couldn't stand it, man. Uh, sorry, JDB. I cut you off. No, no, no. Goku, like always. <laughs> no, no, as, as you should, as you should. So the thing with this diversity and comics dude is first of all his his whole shtick is he'll be like uh, his videos are shot in like the style of like a lurker he's like yeah he shoots his videos like he's some lurker on the subway or something like that there's like a very creepy kind of like voyeuristic vibe yeah 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 yeah. and what he'll do is he'll film himself on the street or sitting in his car like never his home and he'll just open up a comic and he'll just shoot it with his camera panel by panel and just complain about the dialogue and the art. And he'll just go through it and he'll just read it through. Like, and these videos are like 20 minutes long and they're super lame and super sad and weird. But what he's managed to do that's built him such an audience is that he's gotten a lot of like writers and artists at the big two to just publicly freak out at him, right. and that's where he's building his that's fan why, base. Honestly, that's why it's I'm not a shitty video to get into this with you guys now, right? Because right. just talking about him makes him a bigger deal than he is. Because yeah. so here's here's what I'll say about that guy. First of all, his name is Richard Meyer, okay. um, and people have been accused of doxing him for saying that. But his name is public places, okay. right? So guess what? If your name is public, he goes by he goes by he goes by Zach it, on his YouTube. No yeah, one knows why. Yeah, his name is his name is Richard Meyer. Uh, that guy used to follow me with a "Make Comics Great Again" Twitter <laughs> handle, <laughs> and he and he really loved GI Joe for a really long time. Yeah. And uh, I muted him because. I saw, cause I don't know, people say something nice about me and I go and like look at their feed and see what they're all about, you yeah. know, and I saw that he's all, he was all about some really, um, 
like alt-right stuff. Lots sure. of, lots of Pepe memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, it's so like, I muted him because I didn't want to accidentally retweet him. Right. And, you know, be like <laughs> yeah, co-signing yeah. this. Um, and then at some point he stopped liking what I was doing. I'm yeah. not exactly sure when. Um, but I mean, the real thing to understand about this guy, and this is, I think this is the most crucial thing to know about this guy more than any of this, and the stuff you said is great and it's important, but here's the most crucial thing. That guy's a failed comic book creator. Yeah. Mm. That guy, that guy wanted to be a comic book writer and artist and he couldn't fucking hack it. Right. And the way that he found to have a mark on the, in the industry is to rile up weirdo alt-right guys on YouTube who don't even read comics, but hear the word culture war and cultural Marxism and trans characters being shoved down our throats and, Mm. you know, whatever nonsense, other nonsense that guy says. And they latch onto it. And he's built up this, like, group of goons um, from doing that. That's 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 the most interesting thing. I I would just take issue with the characterization of him being a failed comic book uh, writer because uh, he's currently (laughs) failing as a comic book writer because he can't make shit for money on his Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, So so he is just still failing as a comic book writer. I would would recommend to all our listeners to actually look at the comics on his Patreon because they're like angry – like ter- they're terrible comics, but they're like the angry reactions to certain things that Marvel does. And we've talked about you, how Marvel's did diversity. You talk about the Iron Man one. Yeah, we ever talked about that. Leslie, do it. Do it. You do it. Yeah. So, jeez. Oh, so <laughs> basically, so they made a uh, black teenager Iron Man, right? And we talked about it on the Riri. show. Like, yeah, we talked about it on the show. Like we we don't really feel like. Uh, Marvel's diversity, we think, is kind of tokenish and patronizing and not all that good, but it still drives the chuds insane, so that's funny. And it drove yes. this man so insane that he wrote a comic where basically, where Riri, the, um, falsely accuses Iron Man of rape and she suspends <laughs> the entire like ish of uh, 11 pages like celebrating this and cackling about how she's driven Tony to the point of suicide where he's drunk yeah. and eating himself to death and Tony and you know, like I, actually happens in real life yeah, right? yeah. And, you know, like actually happens it goes on and Iron you Man know, just, just begs her just please let me die of a heart attack just leave me alone stop mocking me and eventually she does finally relent before you know, saying that uh, you know, as a black teenager, you know, we I, we're so good that we can play the victim all the time and shit like that. Mm. Just completely gross, terrible, terrible, awful stuff. Um, and people pay him just a thousand dollars a month to do it. I guess that's a victory that it, he really doesn't get this much money. But it really pisses me off to see that Marvel and DC and writers for them actually take this lunatic seriously. I feel like. 90% of the views on his videos are probably just because he shows the whole comic. So if you don't want to pay for the comic, you can just watch his videos because he goes panel by panel. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. No, I was just saying it's a remarkable thing because in real life, Tony Stark could just surround himself with a team of lawyers and then never talk to Riri again. <laughs> <laughs> put out an op-ed or two about what a pillar of the community is. Pepper Potts would put out an ad with all of the female Stark me. tech employees. The only way to defeat comics and diversity's fan fiction is with fan fiction of our own. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, fuck that guy. But yeah. he was uh, he he was definitely the big driver of yeah. the outrage towards me. Um, it, it started with G.I. Joe fans and that guy saw a, 
a, a battle he thought he could win. Yeah. And they campaigned really hard uh, towards IDW and Hasbro both mm. uh, to get me removed from the book. And that was about two and a half months ago. And so what's the uh, – and, you know, not uh, not to uh, shit talk anyone, but kind of generally what was the reaction from the IDW Hasbro side? I mean, so it's all pretty public. I mean, so what I – like what you guys know, I know. You okay. know, um, right. it's been uh, – so initially they – you. I, I had tweeted, I had tweeted about 9-11, um, on right. 9-11, um, and I, you know, I meant to relook at the tweet so I could, cause I knew you were gonna ask. It was ask. basically about stealing valor though, right? It was like, <laughs> yeah, not even that- stealing valor. It's about performative grief. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, s- self-centered remembrances, yeah. uh, self-centered and self-serving remembrances. W- weren't from you people. referencing the Smash Mouth one or something like that? Uh, like, not, not specifically, I mean, but there was like a lot of that stuff. I yeah. mean, like, so, I mean, there was like this a Dr. Doom cried. And I think, yeah, dude, or like, Honestly, so everything from people who, you know, people and politicians who use it for their own benefit. So, mm-hmm. you know, sitting there. So, and this is another thing. And I, I, I followed up on this later, like on the tweet, because I saw people getting really upset about it. I was like, listen, I was there. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I was, right, I was right. living in lower Manhattan that right. morning. Right. So back the fuck off. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's number one. But number two, yeah, man, it was a reaction to looking around and seeing everything from Trump making hay out of it and getting, you know, oh, he's so presidential and the yeah. way that he's talking about the sacrifice and stuff uh, to looking at people using 9-11 still to justify wars, yeah. right, that have nothing to do with it, um, which has been going on for 16 years. Um, two, people I see talking about how, oh, I remember that day so clearly and I was in my classroom in Dayton, Ohio and the teacher came in and she wheeled in the, the TV and I was so scared and I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought, none of us are safe in Dayton, Ohio. No, you're safe. Yeah. You're safe in Dayton, Ohio, right? Like, um, any of that people stuff. saw Red Dawn. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but like the whole thing is like it wasn't about what you said in that particular moment. It was like it was just getting Al Capone on tax evasion, right? They didn't right. Like you. It was, they wanted you honestly, gone, and they were just looking for something. Let's be let's be topical. It's what's happening to Sam Sater right yep, now, absolutely. right yeah. this fucking absolutely. minute. It's exactly I the same thing. I can't believe MSNBC took the fucking bait on I, that. That is unbelievable. Hey, no, yeah, I, I can. Yeah. <laughs> so, so spoiler alert. Let's skip ahead. Yeah. Uh, in September, you know, IDW initially was sending out emails in support of me and explaining, listen, yeah. Aubrey was there and who are we to tell him, you know, how yeah. he should feel about this? And he watched it happen, which was really nice and, you know, accurate. Um, but that was before Diversity in Comics got involved yeah. and they started like this real concentrated campaign against IDW and Hasbro and got them to uh, – and then IDW put out a statement pretty much throw me under the bus yeah. <laughs> and like they put out this kind of very generic um you know apology statement it's it it may sound like i said the n-word right yeah. like it's right. like it's the like it's the it's the apology you send out when somebody working for you says like something really so, so abhorrent and unforgivable that you can't even allude to it yeah right yeah, yeah. they sent that out publicly and that kind of kicked off a firestorm from people who saw that, who hadn't heard about it, right? Because yeah. it, it only existed in that yeah, in like a lunatic fringe group. circle, yeah, yeah. right? And then that exposed it to a larger audience, and people got really angry at this idea, you know, and there are Mary Sue articles about it, and yeah. Cool yeah. ran a lot about it, and Blina Rich Johnston, Jesus Christ. And they, um, people, are you, you going to hack on Rich Johnston? No, not too much, but like, specific Rich Johnston was the only guy who wanted to cover this. He had your back, yeah. but like, Bleeding Cool just like, it always blows the stuff up into way out of proportion and so does uh rich rich was good on this specific one i read i there, read nobody else stuff. was covering it you know they had your back everybody talk everybody talks shit about bleeding cool and mary sue but nobody else had my back on this yeah and they they ran articles and people got really angry and started hammering idw and 
Hasbro both to keep me on and so, not to give in to mm-hmm. these people. And they did. Um, and I was told, you know, listen, um, we can't promote it because um, we don't want to rub it in these people's faces that you still have a job. We need to wait and be quiet Jesus. and wait. And, you know, we'll do something. And, you know, don't you talk about – I wasn't allowed to, like, tweet or talk. So a new series is launching in a couple weeks called Scarlet Strike Force. Right. It's mm-hmm. the direct follow-up to G.I. Joe book. Yeah. Um, and um, it's great. <laughs> I have to say it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's good. I'm really proud of it. I read, I'm really yeah, pr- cool. Thank I read you. The first I'm really picture. proud of it. Cool. Uh, it's got Nelson Daniel and Ryan Hill artwork and amazing letters by Taylor Esposito, who I'm thrilled to be working with. And but, it's got some cool fights. <laughs> it's nothing it but, man. It's lots of fights. Dinosaurs in the second issue. <laughs> but um, yeah, like um, I was forbidden from talking about it online even. Wow. Um, you can't and, even promote your own product. And they didn't want me doing interviews and um, they didn't set anything up. And yeah. then like about a month before Final Order Cutoff. And so I don't know, again, like this is deep cut comic book stuff. Um, comic books are sold non-returnable. Mm-hmm. And so three weeks before comic books hit stores, retailers, comic book retailers, comic shop owners have to put in their orders for how many copies they From want. Diamond, right? So, exactly, right. from Diamond. And so that's their last chance to up their orders. And it's when most people put in their orders because they don't want to put in orders earlier than they have to because then that's capital tied up somewhere that they can't be using right gotcha, now. Gotcha, yeah. It's, it's business, right? Yeah. Um, a month before final order cutoff. So a month before the orders were even in and with no promotion done and with me having been like my, had my hands tied. Yeah. Unable to promote it. They canceled it due to low sales. Yeah. Which, that which that's a little, uh, which, uh, which doesn't Given make a whole lot of sense. So here's, the sales weren't finished. And of course it had low sales because it's a brand new title without Gia Joe in the name that you right. have not promoted yet. <laughs> so here's, here's my question. Yeah. How much of this pressure campaign succeeding on IDW versus like when uh you know these this uh the the these alt right comic critics I guess if you could call them that went after Marvel and DC plenty and besides individually freaking out the writers like I know Mark Wade tried to go after uh Meyer at one of these conventions yeah uh the big two haven't really paid attention. Do you think that part of the issue is is that when Marvel and DC has their brands in house and IDW is working with Hasbro and maybe the pressure of their of being a license holder uh you know gets them to you know maybe be more willing to throw their talent under the bus? I really couldn't say. Yeah. Um I like maybe I mean it's possible uh, like I'm not the only person working on these Hasbro properties that um this group has come after either Mags right. uh Mags to uh, Visaggio, um, is writing Visionaries Transformers in there. They're really brutal and nasty to her. Um, Sophie Campbell has done stuff on Hasbro properties and they're similarly brutal to her. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I wonder, I, well, I wonder, like, why don't these companies have any sort of protections in place or any sort of thing at, at handling, you know, these, these, uh, I don't want to say mobs, but, uh, you know, like these, these groups who have various... I would various call these, like, mechanized outrage Yeah, campaigns. like, the, the outrage there, camp. There needs to be, like... There's the, nothing in place to protect well, any I mean, of the talent. Not, it's not just... I mean, it's not just them. I mean, it's... I mean, we mentioned Sam Sater a minute ago. Yep. MSNBC yep. is doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, so they're, like, throwing, they're throwing them under the bus. They're protecting Joy Reid, well, who said some of the most the, disgusting the, shit. Yeah. The, the world of, like... The, the corporate world is, like, not uh, uh, equipped to handle this kind of... I well, said mechanized no, no, outrage. They're I perfectly, meant to say weaponized no, outrage. No, I take it... But no, they're perfectly equipped to handle it. It's just they choose not to for certain people. They will right. defend yeah. Joy Reid, but Sam Cedar, he's just a pain in their ass because he's an actual leftist guy who gets on there and says stuff that makes the advertisers probably very nervous. So getting rid of him is 
a good thing for them, basically. And they have again, they've been given an excuse and out to do that. And I'm sure they could have protected uh, Aubrey. I mean, if DC finds a way to protect, you know, Frank Miller. I think I think IDW could protect. Well, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I'm not Frank Miller, okay. right? Right. Like, like in terms, you're right. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you didn't get insane. mugged and turn into a fascist. Well, but I mean, but that guy, but that guy is that guy has you know it's it's a ledger sheet, right? It's right. always a ledger sheet, and um, I don't. I'm not Frank Miller, and I haven't had the career yeah. that guy has. You're not Eddie Berganza, right. or <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's it's optics too you yeah. know and like it's optics and it's path of least resistance yeah um, and that is really what it is it's path of least and resistance and so if laziness is actually what and it if is. there's an angry mob out for my head and you know the easiest most cost effective thing is just to give it to them mm-hmm. maybe that's just what happens yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's 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 terif- it's terrifying though it's really upsetting because um I don't know. I'm dismayed, but not shocked that there hasn't been more outrage in comics about what's happened to me. Yeah. Um, because the fact of the matter is, I'm not going to be the last one. Absolutely not. Anybody no. who thinks that I'm the last one is out of their fucking mind. Because now these guys have a game plan that they know works. Yep. They know how to do it. Have they you know- spoken to the CBLDF at all? No, because there's no legal. Right. There's no, there's no legal right. grounding. Right, I'm a, right. you know, I was a freelancer, and so they can fire me whenever the fuck they want. Yeah, that's um, the comic book legal defense fund for any listeners yeah. who didn't know. I mean, there's no, there's, there's no legal issue here. Nobody broke yeah. the law. Um, it's yeah, it's dismaying and it's, it's frustrating. And you know, I, I know, I have to imagine IDW is caught between a rock and a hard place with it for sure. Um, so yeah, it's and it's the biggest bummer too. You know, they're two huge bummers to me. Right, one is what I mentioned already that like this doesn't bode well. For comics, no, right? No. Just like just like Sam Sater's removal doesn't bode well for journalism <laughs> or media, right? Like this doesn't bode well for comics because now, um, you know, it. I think it's something. It's an even more root issue than what we're talking about, and I think you see this on the left and the right. Um, people who see art that is not for them necessarily, yeah, and they take exception that it even exists, yeah, yeah. and they don't want it to exist, and then they do everything they can to get rid of it. Um, that happens on both sides. Yeah, it does, um, and. But I, I do yeah, want to kind of point out, uh, not to interrupt you, I do want to point out there is one side that makes a big deal about being free speech advocates, like right. all the time. They say this yeah. is the most important thing to them, free speech, you know, being able to say what you want without having to worry about SJWs taking you down. <laughs> like they yeah. are the SJWs because they, right. they took They're them. in power and they're taking people's jobs away for speaking yeah. their minds. Yeah. I think the other thing Free speech my ass. I think the other thing that's tough too is I'm not a terribly sympathetic figure. <laughs> um, you know, like I'm a I'm a cis male a white cis male able-bodied yeah. dude with long hair who likes metal and don't wrestling these, and am a socialist. hurting exactly the type of person they want to protect? <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> another, yeah. that's, white right? know, that's, another thing, that's another thing I think is really funny too, right? But like, yeah, like, and then the other thing too, and this, you know, uh, this is the fact of the matter. And like, I, um, I stand by what I said on 9-11, but the fact of the matter is a lot of people here, oh, this guy said something controversial about 9-11. Fuck him. Yeah. yeah. Cause you can't, cause you can't touch 9-11. You can't touch it. And this is, this is on me for really misreading the room sure. uh, because, you know, like you guys, I exist on leftist Twitter and right. I live in this leftist Twitter bubble. And so all I saw was people dragging Smash Mouth, was yeah. people retweeting that thing with about like the Marriott, like um, in order of, in order of the victims <laughs> yeah. of 9-11, free donuts for 30 minutes this morning, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? Like all yeah. that's all I saw. People dragging Donald Trump and, yeah. you know, whatever, like tone deaf, like self-centered bullshit. Like right. that was a common thing. So what I said wasn't 
out there. It no. was right along the lines. I, mean, of I saw it. It didn't seem. No, it was right along the lines. At all. But you hear, oh, somebody said something off about 9-11, yeah. right? And so a lot of people get their hack up, hackles up immediately without even looking at it or reading it. The other thing I think that, um, you know, I didn't realize was that, and part of this is from being fucking coastal elite. I've lived in New York City yeah. and Los Angeles since 2001, right? And, I did not realize the extent to which 9-11 has become a military holiday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that it's Pearl Harbor now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the day that we got hit and we yeah. stopped taking shit and we started killing Muslims for 16 straight years. <laughs> and that's what we celebrate on 9-11. Yeah. And, like, that's that's how a huge portion of the country sees it. And, like, I saw that in people's angry responses to me. You know, they say, what? You know, you don't think people have a right to mourn 9-11? I enlisted yeah. after 9-11. Well, right? And it's like, well, that doesn't. That's, that's the absurdity. <laughs> that's the absurdity of Tea Partyism and Trumpism is that they have this. They hate New York so much, except I, I except think, when it got hit by planes. I, I think yeah. I think your next project maybe should be a heartwarming tale of a young boy who learns the true meaning of nine eleven. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I fucking that's gimmick infringement on a very nine eleven right? <laughs> oh yeah, extremely loud and incredibly close. That's that's kind <laughs> yeah. of what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literary oh, references. Well, sorry, fuck, I messed up. You do it already did it. <laughs> Saffron Foy already did it. <laughs> but the other, you know, the other reason this really upsets me is because the book is so good. <laughs> uh, and I'm, bi- yeah. I'm biased, of course, right? Because I fucking wrote it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we designed this thing to, you know, with an eye towards kind of um, doing a G.I. Joe book in a way that's positive and aspirational and inclusive in the year 2017. Yeah. So that meant, you know, more representation and uh, laser guns instead of bullets and, you know, this international focus and, you know, it's all about the And it was kid friendlier, right? I mean, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it was meant to be, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it meant to be something everybody can enjoy. And, um, I, we used like the first nine issues to put a lot of pieces into place and like to build up these, uh, intra-team drama and to bring Cobra back mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And the new series, Scarlet's Strike Force is going to pay off on all that. And we had eight issues planned out and outlined and I'd written up through issue four. Um, and man, they won't even give you eight, the eight issues. No, it was originally scheduled for eight and now it's down to three. Man. So they canceled it at three. Um, now if they, schedule a certain amount of issues and you get to working on them do you at least get paid for those issues i've been, if they I've been paid for everything i wrote yeah okay good i've been paid through so issue four and to idw's great credit um they didn't have to do this but um i had written through issue four by the time yeah. they canceled it because i like working ahead and also because we're gonna have another artist Ilias kiriatsis who had done the um the first strike tie-in issues he was going to come back for issues four and five and so i was burning through issues so that he could right. get working in the meantime right um I had written through issue four by the time they canceled it, and they paid me for that. You even should, though it'll you never watch be saying printed. that publicly, or else some Facebook group is going to get IDW to send you a bill, <laughs> get you unpaid. Okay, that <laughs> yeah. money's spent. You have to talk, you have to talk to my landlord if you want that money back. So I, I was yeah. uh, I reading through the comic. I did notice one thing: like you start like the first issue, like the enemies are aliens, but by like the end of issue like eight or whatever, it's like. Cobra is back, and Cobra they have a and they have a super pack. He talks about how <laughs> he, like we, like they they put loot as much as possible, and like climate change is like what the GI Joes are fighting now. Climate change and super packs and all that shit. 
Um, which was cool. Oh, is thanks. What Leslie yeah. said. Oh, yeah, it was cool. I was for the question. Thanks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I was like, like, sometimes on these podcasts, we just talk about things that we like. I appreciate like. that, yeah. man. I'm not used to it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> the, um, you thought Leslie was going to be like, so why the fuck did you do that? <laughs> yeah, <SJW?"> <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so I'm used to getting in I'll trouble. Be, the craziest thing, man. Uh, I keep saying the craziest thing because there's just no end of insane things. That's ableist. We're not. Honestly, can I tell you something? I somebody called me out on that because I because. Salvo called rock and roll a psycho at one yeah. point, and I've made I've since made a conscious effort not to. I, I, isn't not, there a GI Joe name psycho though? There, ha- uh, I think there. I don't know. Maybe there's. I don't know. There's got to be somewhere. But yeah, yeah, no. Like so. I. I. I thank I, you. Thank you, man. Like, <laughs> I'm definitely aware of it too. It's like it's something that I like. It's so much a part of my lexicon, but I also I kind of like do recognize why that's probably weird. Can I say people. bananas? Can I say one of yeah, the things that's, that's most bananas? bananas. That's fucked up to uh, fruits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the things that's most bananas, uh, is that I always, uh, when I started working on G.I. Joe, I was terrified that people were going to come for me. I was yeah. like, I, I just knew it. I knew in the, my heart of hearts that the pitchforks were going to come out and people were going to come for me. But I thought it was going to be leftists. I thought it was going to be liberals. Mm. I thought that I was going to get, um, you know, cause here's the thing. It's a really diverse team. There's, um, spirit is a, an, an indigenous person, yep. first nations, American Indian. I don't know. Choose. <laughs> you, t- <laughs> you tell me. Uh, but, you know, it's like, I, I have a really good friend, um, who is, uh, American Indian and mm-hmm. I chat with him a lot and we like redesigned him to look kind of like Chuck Billy from yeah. Testament. Um, <laughs> metal reference. Uh, but yeah, like there are a lot of different races on there and there's, um, a lot of female, um, lead characters. Yeah. And I was worried that people were going to start asking, why is the white guy writing this? Uh-huh. Why is Citizen writing this? And so I worked really hard to prevent that by just doing it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I, I did my best, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, if you had asked me before I started working on J.I. Joe, honestly, like I had like n- daydream nightmares because that's the kind of person I am about what's going to happen when I get something wrong and like people come yeah. at me and like, like just think about how I'm going to apologize. And it's stuff a like scary, that. it's a look, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a real issue that, Artists, even on the left, have to deal with. There's a lot some, of anxiety dude, it, right now about Pam Backlash. And people, people complain about that, but I think a lot of that is good, man. Like, I, I, yeah, you know, I here's the thing, man. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm not familiar with the experiences of everybody. Sure. And if I'm not, maybe I should get familiar with them mm-hmm. before I write them. Yeah. I mean, uh, my, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bananas to my mind, notion. <laughs> to my mind, like, what most of this amounts to is like, catching some clowning on Twitter, like, catching a bunch of shit on Twitter, and, like, if it means that you have to catch some shit for, like, four hours so that you're, like, more I don't know. aware yeah, of something, like, what's the big fucking deal? I like, probably, catching I probably, shit on Twitter is no, not that big a deal. I probably it's, wouldn't have been a better person had some, like, 14-year-old not yelled at me yeah, at some like, point. Yeah, 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 dude, and so, like, that, see, yeah. that was my fear, like, that that was gonna happen, so it's it's funny that it's the other side of this. But also, like, <laughs> yeah, so but also, like, the leftist G.I. Joe fan base, I imagine, is tougher than, say, the leftist Steven universe fan base <laughs> yeah like you know this is this is still like you know uh, an action comic with you know a military backstory and like the fact that you are even willing to talk about the military industrial complex in a gi joe comic is pretty incredible Dude, in comedy itself. Too, though like this sure. is this isn't yeah. something that like and this is something else i take pains at doing you know because a lot of um, some of the discussion around what happened to me places has been like, oh, you know, for the first time ever, GI Joe is inclusive and yeah, diverse. Yeah, but that's, mar- and that's marketing. And that's, that's, that's marketing. That's wrong. And that's not true. I mean, yeah. like Larry, Larry Hama himself is a Japanese American man who is a leftist and um, has always tackled these things in the book. Um, yeah, um, I think you know the difference is, you know, 
like again, I said this. I said the thing about nine eleven, and that's just bad optics. Um, yeah. I didn't. I don't know. I read the yeah. book poorly for sure. Uh, wait, forget <laughs> like, it. Forget I, I, it, Jake. It's Twitter. I, I stand. I stand by it. But I, you know, it was bad optics. And the other thing too is, you know, there's a, there is still, and again, from being in my bubble and like talking with dudes like you online and stuff, I didn't realize that there is still a big perception difference between socialists yeah. and liberals yeah. right like and like that it, was very hard for me it took me a few years to figure it out myself i don't yeah i didn't realize you know and like it, it's shocking because you know you've got lee carter in virginia and um donica rome how yes, do i say your last name uh, rome rome i, I never rome, I, I, i've pivoted from video so i don't know how to say it pronounce anything <laughs> uh, but yeah like you've got people on you know in bernie sanders obviously you've got yep. people on the national public stage endorsing democratic socialism like that didn't seem so out there to me, yeah. right? I didn't think, it, but it is for a lot of people. It is. It, it really, is. really is. For the corporate world. And that weird uh, talking point of like how many people socialism has killed or whatever. Oh, it's is so crazy. I, oh, it's, it's bananas. All, Excuse me. Bananas. <laughs> it's bananas. Uh, uh, and, and then, yeah, also like just I see it more and more commonly. I feel like that's yeah. a talking point that's very sadly getting around. Uh, it's it's um, all 4chan shit, you know? It's like these 4chan memes are becoming real political yeah. talking points. But, you know, but you know what's got, you know what I think would solve both your problems on the right and the left. Uh, uh, Just quitting. No. <laughs> Get a job at a library somewhere. You gotta come up with That's a not... Japanese name and start doing your comics <laughs> under the name of a Japanese guy. That, you know, the That'll Marvel method? That'll fix it. method. You have to do the it. Method. <laughs> Doing things the Marvel way. I, I do, do want to say... So I read Wolverine Soul Taker. Yeah. And uh, I liked it. <laughs> I liked this Japanese Wolverine comic. I, I, I do want to say I haven't read those comics. I'm, I actually kind of want to read them now as somebody who's lived in Japan for a, a, a few years and, you know, kind of analyze them. But I want to give Aubrey a compliment because I think because you opened the comic in Japan, actually. Um, and mm. I want to thank yeah. you for getting it right. Hey, thanks, you man. actually talk about yakitori and not just and yeah. you know, seaweed oh. and shit, not just sushi all the time. So. Oh well, thanks, man. Uh, I've I've been to Japan once. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Where'd you go <laughs> to Tokyo. Oh uh, yeah, just for like a week to, vi- to visit a friend. I was visiting a friend, and I just did everything. I Japan I, is the best. Every I was there for a week, Never and been. I would get up at fascism. I would get up at like seven a.m. and I would eat breakfast, and then I would go to a different part of the city and just kind of walk around and have no idea what was going on because I don't speak any Japanese. Yeah, and I had a blast. Uh, but yeah, dude, I um that was a big thing in the book too. You know, like trying to like it's an international book, so I I I want to set it jump around the world. Different- yeah, dude, it's set it in different places, and like um admittedly. Uh, a lot of times the timing doesn't make quite all that much sense in terms of how they get places so quickly. But they got jets. It's yeah. sci-fi. It's <laughs> whatever. They have a fucking transformer. Yeah, it's Skywarp is there. It's fine. They'll figure well, it out. Well, and that's what's so, like, baffling about some of the frustrations about, you know, the, from these alt-right guys is that this is a world where, yeah, like... I mean, that's the thing. This, is, like, there's giant transformers. When I'm watching there's, comics and diversity, like, run down for, like, ten straight minutes how, like... A woman wouldn't be strong enough, like couldn't pick up boxes well enough to run the G.I. Joe. <laughs> Put her in I'm a like, Dude, you're talking about a fucking sci-fi world. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, she like, fights with a crossbow. Yeah, like, like, like she uses a crossbow in combat. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but should we talk a little bit about uh Goku. this this oh. No, I was gonna say well, I like by the way that you use the the move the heavy shirt. Yeah, move. I knew you would, yeah. Dude, a lot of people didn't dude, people didn't like that. I like, like the heavy shirt. Okay, move. so people didn't like so in like the um, the big like ten page fight scene between Kick Kick and uh, Snake Eyes, uh, they're they're doing like they're doing fisticuffs, right? They haven't put out weapons yet, and Snake Eyes is the first because he gets desperate, right? He's getting beat up by Quick Kick, so he yeah. goes for his like trench knife and he swipes it at Quick Kick, and Quick Kick dodges out of the way, but it slices his hoodie, and he says, "Ah, oh, 
you know, fuck. This fight, fuck. by the way, was one of the things that upset uh, DNC the they most. Didn't like yeah. this. The uh, quick kick fight. And so, and he says, you know, oh, this is my favorite. Great for training. And he throws it and it lands heavily. <laughs> and Helix, who has like, who has total battlefield awareness is able to look at it and like just from the arc of descent and the noise it makes oh my god it's like i don't know what did i say 80 like, something like 80 something pounds, pounds yeah and like i know that's absurdly heavy yeah. but that's the point the idea is that he's always wearing yeah. an 80 pound weight <laughs> which thing in order to train which is a total dragon ball which z is thing. what goku did <laughs> i think goku did it for like 17 years it was it was for a couple i'm in the middle of a rewatch yeah, so it was, okay. a, it was a couple weeks in the, the travel to manic okay. Um, and he also upped the gravity to 100 times normal gravity. Right? Can you imagine how bad the cast of Dragon Ball Z smells? Wow. Why? Well, dude, well, that's well, fighting first, all all fighting. Okay. first of all, canon, Saiyans smell. <laughs> Saiyans smell. They're ape people, and they smell. Um, anyways, uh, I was thinking, so like, I was trying to figure out how heavy people, they were, they were really upset. They're like, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Nobody could walk around with 80 pounds. Look at how small but he that's is. that's how strong he is. Yeah, you also, but also, dude. I'm like, I don't know, you guys have seen me. I'm like 5'7", five, 5'8". Yeah. Five, Dude, uh, I don't do it anymore because I fucked up my knees doing it. But I used to put on a 45-pound weight vest yeah. and charge up and down the hill yeah. that I live on in Echo Park every morning. Like... And you're not a superhero. I'm not a no. superhero. <laughs> you're just yeah. working out. Yeah, I'm just you're exercising. Not a, you're not a superhero just, in a comic yeah. where, where there's people, a, like, move planets and shit. Like, not a, in G.I. Joe, but yeah. in comics, they do this. Or in a comic book where there's a fucking Transformer yeah, on the exactly. team, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was totally a Dragon Ball thing. Yeah. Totally, totally. Love it. Love, I so, love that you picked so up on that. what do you think's happening... Where oh I'm sorry can I interrupt oh yeah I'm yeah. the worst I'm the worst podcast guy. <laughs> no, no, no 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 another Dragon Ball thing Skywarp is our Vegeta oh, oh our Vegeta sense. I like Scar- that. Skywarps are like surly yeah. not really reformed yeah. bad guy but who's who, part of the team yeah who's like begrudgingly part of the team but like also you can tell kind of likes some yeah. of these people but doesn't want to admit it yeah dude he's totally our, I love our Vegeta the, re- the reluctant heel turn I yeah, love dude. it I love in Dragon Ball uh, uh, first of all just turn. that the story face turn my mistake yes the heel is like evil forever. face uh, is good uh, I, but I love that all the villains and I like I like all the face turns in Dragon Ball. Yeah, that's dude. one of my favorite things about what? it. Like all these characters are so great. Like why shouldn't they fucking get to stick dude, around? It's like, core to that's what, what we're the Fast about and the Furious does yeah. too. I actually. think Vegeta is the clearest example. You know, like there's a great moment early on in Dragon Ball Z where um, Krillin is ready to use Yajirobe's sword yeah. to kill Vegeta, just mm-hmm. to fucking kill him outright because he's just beaten. And Goku says, "No, don't do it. He's beaten." He can, yeah. you know, let, let him escape. We're no better. If you kill him, we're no better than him. Show him mercy. Yeah. And then what happens? Vegeta ends up being a crucial part of them fighting Frieza on Planet yep. Namek. And, and it's it the power it, of being nice, it man. It shows that, you know, that's what makes Goku a hero. Exactly. Actually. Right. That's what exactly. makes Goku, Pre- Goku pure of heart. Precisely. That's why he's Japanese Superman. That's really. why he's, because he's, he's not executing he's stronger people. than Vegeta. Yeah. Because he's pure of heart. Because he's pure of heart. Wow. That's really beautiful. <laughs> I think so. I, I love Dragon Ball. I love Dragon Ball so much. Uh, where are you in your rewatch? Uh, I, I am like, uh, I'm. Goku's been fighting Frieza for about twelve episodes, so I'm about. Those are great I'm about episodes. halfway through that fight. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's such that's such a good song. Are you watching? Uh, uh, are you watching Kai? Are you watching Dragon Ball Kai? Or no, I'm watching the original. Um, cool. Because I, you know, because I want to do it right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I didn't make it much. 
further past this originally when I was a kid. That's what happened to me too, yeah. Because if you remember, like on Toonami, they aired through the Namek saga. Yeah. And they didn't have the rights to the rest of it yet. Yeah. So they just restarted it. And I was like, enough. Yeah. And like, I think this exact same thing. I think by the time, like the Cell saga, like all the androids started showing up stuff, I had a girlfriend. Yeah. And I I couldn't rush home fast enough to (laughs) see Dragon Ball every day. So I kind of fell off it. So yeah, I started over at the beginning. And um, my plan is. To finish that and then go right into Super, which they, I, they just put up on Funimation. I'm really Super's interesting. Uh, the, you have to stick with it. The animation, and it's going to be a jarring switch because oh, the really? animation is not as good as really? Dragon Ball Z, especially toward the beginning. Interesting. Uh, 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 but I do think it gets good. I, I'm, I'm still watching. I mean, by the way, you also have such good stuff. Like the Cell Saga, I think is kind of a mess and it kind of like bleeds over with the Android Saga in a way that doesn't like work that elegantly. But Majin Buu, I fucking love. Oh, really? I love the Majin Buu. That's Boo a minority saga. opinion. I a lot like of people Majin don't like Buu. I mean, Majin, like by the end, I think Majin Buu gets very, very cool. Interesting. Um, cool. Uh, uh, and then yeah, there's some really good, like the problem with Dragon Ball Super is that the first like 60 episodes are legitimately just a remake of, uh, Battle of Gods and then Return of F, those two movies that came out. I, uh, I don't think I saw those. So if you those. haven't seen those, it might not be as bad for you, but it's kind of just like a remake of those movies with worse animation. Yeah. Uh, but then logic, it does get man. cool after and my that. wife, um, my wife is Chinese, like born in Guangzhou, China. She spent a lot of time there growing up. Um, and she watched all of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z in Chinese, but as a kid, like much younger than when we saw it because it That's got there cool, earlier. Yeah. Um, and so, so she saw this stuff much younger. So it's fun watching it with her, but also fun because of how much Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z takes from Journey to the West. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of people know, like, yes, yeah, yeah, especially the, uh, Dragon Ball specifically. Yeah, yeah, dude. And all those characters, like a lot of people know, like, oh yeah, you know, Goku is Sun Wukong, yeah. which is based on Hanuman. And, you know, he's got the long stick mm-hmm. and the, flies around on the flying cloud. And like, they know it goes that far, but like, even stuff like the Ox King and Goku yeah. marrying the Ox King's daughter, that's from Journey to the West. Dragon Ball, before it gets to Z, yeah. is basically just like a cartoon retelling totally. uh, 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 of that. Plus big, uh, kung, uh, plus big like kung fu battle yes, like, with tournaments cool and stuff. Kung fu battle yeah, yeah, yeah. tournaments and shit. Dragon Ball... Uh, on the side, if you want like an awesome Journey to the West video game, there was it was on the Xbox 360 and the PS3. It's called Enslaved. Hmm. Uh, I, I think that was cool. Yeah, and that's like a Journey to the West remake, and it had a... Uh, it had what's his name, Andy Circus, as the main guy. I ripped on Andy Circus in a previous episode. I know, I like <laughs> it. I like Andy Circus. Oh, really? like him? I don't dislike him. I just think he just the guy made like a joke so about much him. Credit because and... he wears the green screen suit with balls. <laughs> like it's like he acts like a monkey better than anybody. Like I don't know. It's a sweet <laughs> fucking it's, it's gig. More, it's more than they'll say for me, man. When I'm gone, <laughs> I like to make fun of Andy. Speaking Circus, speaking but... of people acting like monkeys, what do you think is happening with Chuck Dixon? What do you think is going on over there? Yeah, because what's this all I've never met him. About? I've never met him. Um, so like, it's hard for me to say. Like, I never worked with that guy. Um, like, I worked at Marvel for like three years as an editor, mm-hmm. and Chuck wasn't writing at Marvel at that time. He was right. doing stuff at DC. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I I'll, I'll be honest. I have a real uh, special place in my heart for Chuck Dixon, Tom Grummet, Robin. That was uh, my favorite comic book as a kid. I do too. And and even some. Of, didn't he do a lot of the. Uh, uh, the fuck? Uh, um, what was when there was an earthquake? Like uh, uh, No Man's Land? Oh, yeah, no, he no created. Man. He yeah. created Bane. I kind of like No Man's Co-created, Land. Yeah, too. yeah. So like I, um, yeah. It's it's you know it's always tough when <laughs> when your heroes like, kind of off the disappoint you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that guy is 
super right wing. He's apparently. super. Well, I mean, but like, <laughs> there's a weird this strain. right wing. There's, you know, there's a ra- weird strain of like virulent like right wing uh, uh, politics in comics. Yes, like, yeah. Like Chuck Dixon, like Dave Sim, is another like really weird. Dave guy. Sim, uh, dude, and I'm like really Dave weird. Sim I'm is a just huge like anti. Fan. I love Cerebus too. It's uh, cool. But his whole and his whole shtick I mean, is is just bananas. Women. That that guy bananas. did it all by himself, and it's such. such well, and, Ger- and Gerhard um, did all the backgrounds. Okay, and stuff, okay, starting with whatever issue. But yeah, dude. Um Dave Sim's like a special separate case. Um, yeah. By all accounts. He's like a MGDAO, right? At this point, he's like What's a, 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 a man going their own way. It's like a new breed of MRA where it's like. <laughs> Is that real? Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> man MGDAO. going their own way? Man going their own way. The MGDAO. So the MGDAOs Can are. Can I be. A, wait, do you have to be right wing to be. Because I kind of yeah, want to be a man going it's, my it's, own uh, way. So <laughs> that it, sounds good to me. So the MGDAOs are an offshoot of the MRAs. They're men's rights guys. But the difference between the MRAs oh, they, and the no, MGDAOs. They, they're willingly celibate. Is that the thing? Yeah, they're Vol cells. Right, so the uh, MGDAOs... I, Vol- the- I hate that. that you know all the... Um, the um, oh, shit, what is it? It's like a, a French name for the... When you take, like, the... Portmanteau? Portmanteau, yeah! I know, I know all the terminology. I've spent way too much time on these websites. You're taking that red pill, man. Oh, uh, I... Uh, <laughs> you know, the black pill is actually... Have to back up. Have you heard of... I know he was looking. I took the black... The black pill is actually for the people who take the red pill who realize there's another pill. Is that real? So there's a deeper layer into oh pills. The, the red pill's not enough anymore. Now you gotta oh take the black God. pill. Yeah. Uh, yeah so the, Sims is a Sims is a MGDAO because he's like a dude who just is like, I don't fuck, I don't talk to women, I avoid women. And he makes sure that every character in, in, Cer- in Cerberus... Uh, lets you know that too. Like yeah. it's it's a weird. Service is a fascinating document. I compare it to I compare it to Proust, right? Uh, <laughs> and here's why. Brace yourself. Uh, the reason I compare it to Proust is there's it is so um, dense and self-referential and also referential to stuff that was going on like that moment, yeah, like that week in yeah. comics history. Stuff that like seeps its way in there, and it's also like reference, like you know, there's like this. Um, for a guy who is such a MGDAO, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for he, a guy who is that and has these like deplorable views, he also did these amazingly uh, loving and fascinating and deep portrayals of women. Yeah, I know. In Cerebus. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bananas. It's <laughs> well, really, that's it's the weird really thing strange. is that like a lot of people with toxic ideologies, they must know like deep down that like what they believe is wrong because they wouldn't be capable of having these these characterizations and no, uh, you know not, these relationships not, that, that jdb it's that he b- views the women that are close to him as people and all the other women as bitches just like right, yeah in the south i have been friends with people who you know will call black people niggers all day but i but i'm not one of those people you know right, yeah, right. it's about when you actually interact with a person on a human level and take them seriously as a human being you will not be as dismissive of them and dehumanizing of them in spite of your other uh, deeply seated bigotries you know i think that so prior to coming on here, I was talking with Leslie. I was like, "Hey, man, what should I, what should I be prepared to talk about? Right? Like, what, what should I be ready for?" And like, he brought this up. Leslie mm-hmm. said, "You know, we'll probably talk about um, why comics breeds a certain type of right wing fan, mm-hmm. or why any fandom really, yeah. right?" And I think that's, I, I think that's a good broader question too. But I was thinking in terms of comics, and I, because I didn't really know, and so like I spent the last couple of days kind of thinking about it, and I think it comes down to the fact that you know. In American comics, right? The primary, the primary genre of American comics still is superhero comics, yep. right? Even with the great popularity of, um, outliers and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like Walking Dead is massive, right? Yeah. But um, com- comics in America 
have for a really long time and probably for more really long time will be about superheroes and superheroes at their core are ubermenches. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like, that's what, that's what Superman was created to be. But even more so than that, superheroes achieve progressive goals by fascist means. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is what they do. That's what they, that, that is the definition of a superhero. And so I think that it breeds this a simplistic ideology mm-hmm. of good versus evil right and it it precludes the existence of shades of gray and um that's all fine and good when we're all on the same page and we're all agreeing right. with stuff and i think that a lot of people though they don't graduate beyond that type of thinking and i think that it's really clear if you look at things like watchmen right and i'm guilty of this too as most and we talked about punisher earlier too and i think punisher applies to it as well a lot of people read or watch or however they consume punisher um they think that Punisher's a hero. Yeah. And that's terrifying. That's yeah. terrifying to an adult man. Like that is terrifying. Yeah. To me. But you yeah. know, I have, I still, I kept it cause I, I wore, loved it so much as a kid. I had the Punisher sweatshirt that I wore. Sure. Oh yeah. I, I had the shirt. Was, yeah, man. I thought it was like the coolest the skull. guy. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's great. I mean, and you don't get it. You don't get that that guy is a broken man. And yeah. it's like a tragedy to that because you just think he's dope. And <laughs> I think similarly, and even this is a uh, even clearer example, you know, you have, People who think that Rorschach is the hero of Watchmen. Right. right. And Rorschach is not. Rorschach yeah. is a villain. Rorschach is racist and classist and just a nasty, mean, terrible, broken guy. Violent. Yeah. You're supposed to feel sorry for Rorschach yeah. because this, like, the way that he has been, um, railroaded and, um, created by society, but then the awful choices that he made as well. But you have people who look at that and think, Oh, well, that is what a superhero is. It's somebody who is better than everybody else right. and knows they're better than everybody else and behaves accordingly, as opposed to what we we're talking about earlier, which is the superhero, like the Superman or Goku line of thought, yeah. which is a superhero right. is somebody who's strong enough to be nice. And I, I think I mean, you see this in a lot of fandom. People say, I mean, a common refrain in fandom is Superman's boring. Yeah. Superman's boring because nobody can beat him. He's just the strongest. It's so boring. He's just so nice. He's boring. And yeah, he's boring if written poorly, yeah. you know, yeah. like, but. But that also is like a right wing view of power. Like he's so powerful and he doesn't, he's not like ripping people in half all the time. The yawn. Yeah. I mean, he's not lasering people's heads off. Rorschach Mm. is a comment on Steve Ditko being an objectivist. Right. Like it's his Mr. A being like real objectivism in, in the original question. Think think about the most badass scene in Watchmen with Rorschach. He's in the prison cell. The guy is fucking with, or he's in the prison cafeteria. Guy's fucking with him in line. He grabs the hot food and scalds the guy to death with it, yells, I'm not trapped in here with you, you're trapped in here with me. And that's supposed to be like this... To, to so many people, this was like the coolest yeah. moment ever. To me, as a kid, really. Yeah, it was about, even so, looking, looking, I loved it. Looking back at it now, I mean, like, that line, if I remember correctly, is like di- delivered, like, direct to the reader, which is like, <laughs> which is, like, which is almost commentary on, of like, it is. fans even liking Rorschach. I mean, we love this guy, but he's just like a dude who just kills a dude in a cafeteria he's line. He's fucking disgusting. He yeah, eats, he's... like, cold beans out of the fridge <laughs> and, like, stinks like shit. And he's he's a monster. You know, he subscribes yeah. to all those alt right journals. Before yes, there was all right, you know, yeah. like he, he I, is I, like Vox Day. <laughs> Dude, I, I think that, you know, an important part of looking at why there are these big strains of far right extremism in comics is recognizing kind of the lasting impact of Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns in the 80s. Look, people look at those now and say, oh yeah, yeah. like they hold them up as paragons of the art form and they sure, are, they're incredible. They are. they are absolutely fantastic. But like any great art or any art period, you have to look at it within context uh-huh. and the context with which 
within which those books came out in the 80s was a response to decades worth of defanged comics code authority books in a market where the only comics that existed with rare, rare exception, were superhero comics. And so people thought that comics were a medium that could only tell superhero stories and superhero stories could only be... For children. For children. Yes. And, you know, they weren't the only ones. Howard Chaikin was really instrumental in this too. Yep. But um, American Flag doesn't have the long-lasting impact. Why do these you others, think that is? Because it didn't say in print. Mm. Oh, yeah. Pretty yeah. simple answer. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah. American yeah. Flag is awesome. It's awesome. It's really great. But it, I mean, and American Flag is also different from those books for a lot of, it's a much more complex, mm-hmm. um, look at culture and politics and society. And it's really trenchant to read it now. Man, I gotta it's read ter- it actually. You need it's to. good. It's yeah, great. I read it. But I mean, so, and it doesn't, it doesn't have as simplistic morality as books like Dark Knight Returns yeah. and, um, Watchmen do, um, because, Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns were reactionary works, yeah. not in terms of their politics, but in terms of the fact that they were reacting to the Super state of the market comics. and the state of the genre and the state of the medium. They're but meta commentary. They, they absolutely are. 100% are. But for, you know, 30 years now, people have taken them not as meta commentaries, but as the apex of what can be achieved in this right. medium. And yes. if your, if your Bible is a deconstruction, then what the fuck do you have left? Yeah. A mess. <laughs> a yeah. fucking mess is the answer. A lot of times. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, and that's not to take anything away from those works because they're great. Yeah. I love them. But, you know, I think that people hack a lot on Dark Knight Strikes again, but I adore that. Oh, I like it better really? than Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> Yeah. I like Dark Knight Strikes Ooh, again. This also. is a hot take. Because oh. it's a very, it's a scorching hot take. Uh, but here's, but here's why it's I like so it. It's so ugly. Here's why. <laughs> what? I think. It's an ugly cool. comment. I think that's part, I think that also is a meta commentary on the state of, uh, digital coloring at the time. Yeah, I kind uh, of agree. I think and, it's and, and a it, meta it was, commentary on the state of how much Frank Miller actually gave a fuck. I, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I love it, man. I think that it was, it's fun comics and it's fun, gonzo, brightly colored, garish comics um, that show, that is a, the story itself and the book is a reaction right. to the world created by Dark Knight Returns. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I gotta get. I'll, I'll give it a reread. I Meta I didn't hate commentary. it as much as people did. Yeah, uh, I love it. Uh, but um, we're gonna sail. I didn't hate it as, as much as people did, but you shouldn't reread it. It's not that good. Like the, <laughs> new, the new one is okay. I haven't. I read like the first three issues so far, and it's okay. It's not. It's not terrible. I haven't read the new one yet. It's, it's it's okay. Have you read the fucking? Have you read uh Doomsday Clock? No. Oh boy. I'm very, very behind on everything. What a rough time. <laughs> so how do, so I, I haven't, but it's basically that Dr. Manhattan is now the main villain of the DC Dude, it, universe, it's, it's, right? They're, they're picking up, like, it's the sequel to Watchmen is the first No, it's issue. not. It's Jeff Johns. No, it's ra- not. It's well, not the sequel to Watchmen. Well, I mean, but that's what the intention is. It's like Jeff Johns writing the sequel to Watchmen, where it's only like six years after Watchmen, but for some reason it reflects modern day politics. Like, Robert Redford is the president, and they talk about <laughs> deplorables and all this kind of shit. It sounds like, confusing. There's a new black Rorschach, which uh, oh, of course. Uh, I don't have a really an issue with, but I think it's probably going to be his fucking psychiatrist, which is so stupid. <laughs> uh, uh, it's dog shit. It's terrible. Uh, uh, and at the end, they're going to end up. But it up, takes place in like 1991 yeah, or something like that? Yeah, it takes like place that? in like 91, Weird. but it's like got tons of references to like uh, modern day politics. Now, but is it in the DC universe or is it in the Watchmen universe? It's in the universe? Watchmen universe, but it's going to end up crossing over with the DC universe. The last 
like panel is like Superman wakes up and he's like, I had a nightmare. I've never had one of those before. Oh, or no. something. <laughs> anyway, it's total dog shit. And uh, <laughs> it is like the actual like apotheosis of what you're talking about. It's like the natural end conclusion of these 30 years of comics being influenced by nothing but Watchmen by, right. uh, written by people who don't actually understand Watchmen. Uh, uh, Jeff Johns is probably one of the bigger examples of that. Uh, uh, and now we're seeing just the, yeah, the apotheosis of it. Yeah. Um, anyway, what else is going on? Anything, anything, any, anyone else want to talk about? Well, yeah, Aubrey, where are you doing next now? Yeah. Yeah. What you working on? So I'm doing, um, you know, Scarlet Strike Force comes out on December 21st, I think, yeah. or 20th, whatever that Wednesday a is. Whole, everybody should buy the book. I mean, like, if yeah. a whole shitload yeah. of people buy the book, then I like, maybe so. IDW will like be like, oh, see, the there's Facebook money in it. Group with like 200 people is not that big a fucking deal or whatever. Right. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I hope people do. You know, I've been, final order cutoff was yesterday. Okay. Um, and so you, you can't get orders in anymore at your comic book shop. Um, but it'll be available digitally on Comicsology yeah. and everything. Um, if, you know, if you like listening to me jabber, uh, <laughs> I think you'll probably like listen, like reading my big, crazy action adventure comics. And, you know, it's not, I mean, you guys read it, so you know, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's not a left wing polemic. No, no, like, it's, it's not. not. The it's, thing these people are mad about is like so, they're just minor. mad that you're like, left wing. These are just wing. action comics. Yeah, you know yeah what exactly. I mean? like, it's, they're action comics written by a left wing guy, yeah. but they're, it's, it's not a left, it's not even really left wing action comics. Yeah, not you know? really. There's, there, there are little hints of it, you know, like there's, there's, just the idea that they're a global force and that they're not tied to America. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I said this to some... I said this you mean like the Superman comics yeah, exactly. and cartoons like, yeah. and it's movies? Only, it's, it's only super left-wing if you think that the only role of a military is to kill foreigners. Yeah. Right? Like, if that's what you believe a military exists for... Right. And that's all that a military exists for, then yeah, I guess it's pretty left wing because yeah. they don't do that. It, yeah. You know, it's, they're a military that exists to protect and help people. Um, which, you know, it's, uh, naive, maybe, but it's also aspirational. Yeah. That's, that was the point. Like, that, like, is to do, like, aspirational superhero comics. Not everything needs to be super dark and influenced by this kind of by deconstructionist take, right? Yeah. Um, so that's coming out in a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I do two weekly podcasts. Um, one of them is Straight Shoot, which is my wrestling podcast. We cover primarily New Japan Pro Wrestling these okay. days. Mm. Um, I stopped covering Gotta WWE. Have um, Leslie, do you you watch New Japan? You no, know, I haven't catch uh, been up on it, but I can I can get back into it. Um, you got to do it, man. You'll come on sometime. It'll be great. Um, yeah, we're covering the World Tag League right now, um, which is miserable, and it was a real mistake doing oh, that. Oh, really? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Uh, but, but we're doing it. Well, hey, fuck, give it a listen. I made it. I made it. The shows are good. You know, okay. my shows are good because what my shows are is we watch all of it and we tell you what of it is worth. Gotcha. Buying. Gotcha. So it's a you know you listen to us first and you find out which matches to yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. if any. You doing any signings? You doing any appearances? To um, yeah, I think I might do a signing at um, a shop called Quest um, downtown um, okay. in LA. Um, but yeah, I'm still waiting to figure that out um, for Scott Strike Force. Um, straight shoot. Um, yeah, I stopped covering WWE back in January because um, it felt fucking gross being a yeah. part, being a part of you know, like the Empire. Yeah, you know, like uh, just watching it. You know, like I don't know. So ethical consumption, right? Sure, so yeah. as we all know, uh, like you make your choices and whatever feel comfortable for you, whatever. I think That's it's a real okay, personal yeah. choice. Um, so I have nothing against people who still watch WWE, but I felt gross being a part of their marketing. Way. Yeah. Because yeah. I was doing a show. An that, unpaid marketer. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, I monetize to Patreon and everything, but, yeah, like, but I, not paid by them. Exactly. I, mean, exactly, I didn't yeah. like being part of their market. They're like yeah. the deck that they have at the end of the year of like, Oh yes, we have all these podcasters talking right, about our product right, for right. free. I didn't like being part of that. Um, so I stopped covering WWE in January. We're mostly, um, 
New Japan focused these days. I also do another weekly podcast called Scald, S-K-A-L-D, which is a sword and sorcery serial. <laughs> I tell people it's like, um, it's like Conan, but as told by the ultimate warrior. Yeah. So ah, it's like, it's a lot, awesome. it's a lot of me like shouting about like barbarians just bludgeoning people that's to cool. death. And yeah, it's like very like Robert E. Howard and Michael Moorcock and, um, Jack Vance. Very influenced. nice. Very that's cool. Kind of very there. cool. Well, uh, uh, Check that stuff out. Uh, definitely buy the comic uh, Please, uh, on yeah. Comicsology and uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at Aubrey Citizen. Are you gonna Are you gonna uh, write any more comics or anything? Or yeah, dude, like, I've got I've got. Stuff. Oh, you have the graphic novel coming. I've out. got a graphic yeah. novel coming out. Um, they'll be out late next year, and again, it's not announced yet. Um, but it's really exciting. Um, I'm doing that. I've got things that aren't announced yet that I can't talk about, gotcha. unfortunately. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, dude, they. They did not succeed in chasing me from comics. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a that's a happy note to end on, right? Yeah. 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 But they might get some other people fired still. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so be on now the lookout for that. The method works and that these uh, companies are ultimately too cowardly to stand up for uh, uh, their people. Uh, well, we shouldn't make fun of IDW. Uh, they're stuck between a hard they're, place. They're, they're uh, still uh, public. Now we can make fun of them. But you should check out Aubrey Citizen's Scarlet Strike Force. Yeah. Yeah. Issue number one. Until in a few weeks. Um, well, thanks for coming on, Aubrey. Hey, yeah, thanks for yeah, having me. This is on, awesome. Man. I really appreciate y'all reaching out. Yeah. Leslie, you'll have to come on and do my, my wrestling show. Yeah. You guys, once you get up to speed. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll come on in like uh, seven years or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a date. Uh, all right, cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Struggle Session. Uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. If you'd like to shoot us an email, hit us up at thestrugglesession at gmail.com. We are at strugglesession.us. If you'd like to check out our Tumblr, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, not me, but us in general, check out at Struggle Sesh, S-E-S-H. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.